0: Welcome to the Inclusion Think Tank podcast, presented by New Jersey Coalition for Inclusive Education, NJCIE. As the name suggests, this podcast will discuss inclusive education and, most importantly, why it works. This episode is part two of my conversation with Priya Lavani. Priya is a professor of disability studies and the coordinator of the Inclusive Education Graduate Programs at Montclair State University. We discuss ableism and the role it plays in inclusive education. We also discuss a book she edited called Constructing the Mother, Narratives of Disability, Motherhood, and the Politics of Normal. Let's get into this conversation. Priya, it is a pleasure to have you back on the podcast today.
1: Thank you so much, Tara. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Yes. So, uh, our next, uh, part of the conversation, uh, I would like to talk about your book, uh, what is ableism? And in that book, you discuss ableism. Uh, can you briefly, uh, define what that term is ableism, uh, for those who are unfamiliar uh, with it?
1: Ableism refers to a persistent devaluing of individuals with disability or disability itself. Um, It's a viewpoint, uh, it's viewpoints in which disability is understood as an inherently negative and undesirable way of being, Um, something to be avoided, something to be eliminated, something to be fixed, right? Um, uh, I guess a simple way that I can explain it is, I guess it's analogous to the other isms. Um, you know, race, like we understand racism, sexism, classism. Um, so that's just one way to understand ableism. Um, same thing, refers to disability. Um, similar to the other isms, ableism is rooted in fear or prejudice, right? Um, but it unfolds as a system uh, of systematic discrimination and oppression that operates at three levels, like anyism at the individual level, at the cultural level, um, and most damaging at the institutional level. right? So for example, it manifests as lack of access, um, negative attitudes, prejudice, stereotypes, um, and fear and avoidance of people with disabilities or so just you know like you fear what you don't know, right? Um, but those are, you know, those are very broad, I guess. Um, it, it, also operates in very subtle ways, um, without our, our awareness. For example, in the context of schools, because we're having a conversation about schools, right? And inclusive education, um, ableism operates, um, as physical spaces, expectations, rules of conduct everything being set up to the advantage of non-disabled people. So when you think about it, we've set up everything in advance in a way that works for some people, for, right, for, for non-disabled people. And we haven't really thought about that, right? So ableism is, is uh, a lack of consciousness of the fact that we created a world in the first place, which only worked for some people. And now we're having to accommodate the ones that it doesn't work for, but instead we should be flipping that, right? Okay? Um, and I said before that ableism is like the other isms, but let me just point out that in some ways, in one way, it's unlike the other isms, because this one is largely outside the public consciousness. Because you even said, Explain it for those who may not be familiar with the term, and I find that it's not a term that has entered the public consciousness. And in a way, ableism remains, as some people in the disability rights movement call it, um, a permissible prejudice. It's okay. Things that would not be okay um, for other marginalized groups remain okay because it's disability.
0: I know, in in my personal life through uh, being on social media, uh, especially through the last almost two years living in the pandemic, ableism has been brought up um, through the disability community and and a lot of people are posting more uh, videos Mm -hmm. about it. But um, as you said, largely, like, as a whole, I don't think it is something that uh, most people are aware of that the term exists, um, and what it actually means. So I, I'm uh, glad that you gave that explanation and uh, definition of that, which leads into um, our next question, which you touched on a little bit, ableism in, in schools and uh, disability in general in schools. Um, why, why do you feel like this, uh, these topics of disability and ableism are not really discussed in schools and uh, in the classroom?
1: That's a a really great question, Arthur, and that uh, is something that I spend a lot of time um, not only thinking about, um, but working toward changing, if you will. Um, So it's interesting that among the uh, social justice education community, in the past couple of decades, there's been an increasing acknowledgement that there is a need for us to infuse uh, an understanding about prejudice in schools Um, it's pretty much recognized and acknowledged that there is a value to um, anti-bias curricula in schools and many schools have adopted anti-bias curricula it is um, required Um, so teaching children to recognize Um, prejudice and bigotry and respond to it is very much happening in many schools, at least, um, you know, in in social justice oriented schools. Um, However, as you said before, even within that context, disability tends to be left out. Ableism is not necessarily acknowledged um, or discussed And in fact, um, you know, it's interesting when you think about it, people with disabilities actually comprise the largest minority group in the United States. Um, It is a group that has a rich history. Um, That history is not present in our history textbooks. It is omitted, it is left out. Um, the vast majority of Americans will graduate high school without any awareness of the existence of, uh, of the disability rights movement, of the existence of disability culture, or any awareness of any issues current related to um, disability or disability oppression or ableism, right? So why is that, is your question. Um, and there's a number of things. For one, um, and I work with teachers, daily, right? So this comes up a lot, right? And and we we talk about it, uh, and ways to ameliorate that. But one reason is that many teachers feel um, fearful or ill-equipped. They they just don't feel that they can talk about it, or they feel that it's a hushed topic, and they're not supposed to talk about it, (laughs) right? Which is like, I don't know why. (laughs) Um, But um, complicating it further, Is this educational myth, or rather, myth even beyond education, that young children are innocent and they don't notice differences? Um, I don't know how many times I've heard this, and I talk about it in my book as well. That um, teachers will say to me, whenever I've asked them, you know, do you talk about disability in your classroom? They'll say, oh, children are so innocent, children are so accepting, we don't need to talk about it because they didn't ask. Um, so we, that's sort of a myth that children don't um, notice difference. And that can be likened to colorblind ideology. This idea that we don't notice race, which, um many scholars have problematized colorblind ideology as rooted in racism right if you're saying you don't notice race that's a problem right um and so we need to be thinking about it that way with disability itself so as a result there is a complete silence around the topic of disability and ableism in schools um and I don't think it's that children don't notice differences. I think I think it's wonderful to notice differences, and mm-hmm. why should they, right? <laughs> it's that children have internalized the stigmas around disability, and they have learned that certain kinds of differences you don't mention. And that's a problem because it sort of perpetuates the stigma. Um, And the silences around disability in schools when coupled with the fact that children have few opportunities to interact with children with disabilities because we have segregated school systems so when you put those two together you've got a perfect storm where um, it perpetuates stereotypes and prejudice and ableism we didn't talk about it and we didn't give children an opportunity to be together and to get to know each other
0: I, I love that you said it's it's a myth about uh, you know children not noticing differences because as a wheelchair user and a person who uses crutches, children definitely notice that I'm different <laughs> ah. when I'm you know when I see them in the store, my friends uh, their children, they know that I'm different. Um, it's and uh, and it's so interesting. i I have a really good friend I've known since I was in college, and her her children have known me since they were born. And I just, I have conversations with kids at their age level, whenever they're ready to talk about my braces or my crutches or my wheelchair. And, um, I, I had told them, you know, these are called crutches. I need them for this. And, and, and here's why I need them. Well, maybe a couple months later, I went back over her daughter remembered that they were called crutches, but she says, why do you need them? I forget what you told me. And I said, really? And she said, yeah. My friend goes, no, she's joking with you. She understands. <laughs> she just wants to see you, you know, see what you say and see if you switch it up. <laughs> That's I said, great. No. You know, I said, no, I still need them for the same reasons, <laughs> you know, it's okay. <laughs> and, um, and even with, uh, I have another friend, actually, it's the same family The the two moms are sisters where they are, their children are used to seeing me use my crutches. So the one time I brought my wheelchair out, um, my one friend's daughter, she didn't come close to me. She would talk to me. She knew who I was, but she was—it was different. <laughs> it mm-hmm. was different than what she, you know. Okay, mm-hmm. it's, it was like, yeah, you—you you told me about your crutches, but like, what is this this chair you're sitting in? That looks <laughs> like a giant stroller, <laughs> you know? Like, what, <laughs> what is this thing with wheels? So uh, I'm so glad that you brought that up. Um, you know that yeah. it, it's a myth that, that children don't notice differences because I, I believe they they truly do and
1: and they it, should why yes. why would they not right I mean right. um, it's it funny that you say that I've actually been to classrooms where you, you're right they, it's it's visible to people kids are sitting in wheelchairs another child is using a communication device a third one you know is working with a speech therapist. And the teacher is saying that the children has not noticed anything different. Right. <laughs> um, so they've probably noticed. And the fact that they haven't asked questions is because they've internalized that they, that they shouldn't ask. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and so we, we really can't be talking about inclusivity in schools when we are stigmatizing some children's identities. And children pick up that. They pick up that there is a hierarchy here.
0: And I, I think it, it happens again when uh, using the reference of being out in public for myself, where you have the parents that will, you know, tell the, tell the child to shush, you know, don't, you know, don't look in that direction or, you mm-hmm. know, don't stare. And, and instead of having the conversation of, you know, that's a wheelchair, mm-hmm. he, he needs it because his legs, you know, might be weak or for whatever reason, or Let's just, you know, let's say hi to him. Let's say hi yeah. to the man. <laughs> I've had yes. parents that do that and let their child talk to me and the child is okay. But it, it's um, you know, that stigma of that, uh, we shouldn't talk about disability. I think it, it goes, you know, like you said, in the classroom and it goes beyond the classroom walls as well because it happens out in, uh, in the world in general in society.
1: Yeah, and that's rooted in ableism because, right. because what that tells us is that if I'm not supposed to talk about it or mention it, it can't be a good thing.
0: Right, yes. So that is a perfect tie-in to those two, uh, <laughs> to those two questions. <laughs> yeah, uh, so to wrap up this uh, conversation, you, uh, you wrote a book called Constructing the Mother, Narratives, Narratives of Disability, Motherhood, and Politics of normal. And I truly enjoyed this book, I uh, had a chance to read it uh, a few months ago, and I I really enjoyed so many uh, different parts of the book. And um, in the book, you talk about disability as being another form of diversity, and you share stories about how disability was positioned in your home, uh, using the birth stories of your two children. Um, But that's not Typically, how disability is viewed in society. Um, I, I know through recent years, the diversity, equity, and inclusion have been discussed, and uh, disability, again, is often left out of those conversations. Um, so, can you talk about that uh, why you feel that uh, disability is, is not often seen as another form of diversity? Sure.
1: Um, so, yeah, you're, you're um... And thank you for your kind words about the book. But yeah, yeah, you're right. We, in our family, we have always viewed disability as a form of diversity ever since uh, my daughter was born. It was, you know, um, our views aligned with, and we allowed ourselves to be informed by the disability rights community. Um, And it's interesting because our family already had uh, a number of forms of diversity in it, right? Um, I'm an immigrant, um, a South Asian woman married to a Jewish man. We are an, you know, interracial inter, you know, uh, interfaith and you know, international <laughs> couple. And so when my daughter was born, we viewed it as yet another form of difference, value difference, and diversity in our family. That's how we decided to view it and, and welcome it as a form of difference. And we talked about it openly, always with our children um, and proudly. It was never a hushed topic in our home, you know, at the dinner table, it was, you know, disability conversations about disability and disability rights or like, please pass the potatoes, um, but, um, You know, you're also right to say that it's not typically viewed that way in our society. Um, I think, you know, I I don't see a reason to shy away from differences. I think the problem is that we are so afraid to point out that we are different (laughs) in some ways, right? Um, Look, differences among humans have always existed Humans um, have so much in common. Obviously, they're more in common than we are different by virtue of the fact that we are human. Um, However, it is okay to acknowledge that there are differences among us in appearance, in size, in our preferences, in the ways in which we are wired, in the ways in which we approach the world um, and in our abilities and disabilities. So to me, um, disability is a natural and inevitable form of human variation. It's not the difference per se, that's the problem. It's the way that we are responding to the differences, that's the problem, right? So in the context of schools, as you said, I think that there's an over-reliance on the rhetoric of, oh, you're all the same, you know? um, We are all special, you often hear that, right? We are all the same. Um, And I get that, to be fair. I understand the the need for that. We have historically, um, you know, as a country, we've we've had a history of bigotry and, and prejudice and oppression. So I understand the need in schools to educate children that underneath it all, there are more similarities and differences. I get that. But what we're doing is we're sweeping under the rug. That there are some differences among us, and the the thing is that these differences are beautiful. It's they they what make us unique. It's a good thing, right? Um, I I think that differences can also lead to the development of of positive group identities sometimes. Um, so I think that. It's important to understand that in the context of inclusive education, like how does this tie to inclusive education, um, is that it's just not going to be enough to put a kid with a disability in a general education classroom, right? Um, It's also not going to be enough if you create access to the curriculum and strategies and all of that. Um, because ultimately, it's also going to be about the emotional and social well being of all children. And if a child doesn't feel like they belong, because that is also a part of inclusivity. Um, and, um, you know, Gordon Allport uh, did his classic studies on prejudice reduction um, some decades ago and uh, demonstrated through his seminal studies that physical proximity is not going to be enough to overcome prejudice. It just isn't of, you know, prejudice towards any group. Putting diverse kids together in a space is never going to reduce prejudice. And um, so it really means that we need to teach children, all children, right? um, How to communicate and interact with each other. What it means to be um, a community in which, we are we are we are different in many ways, we are similar in many ways, but we better start thinking about um, how we can create inclusive communities of belonging.
0: Wow yeah it's um i I, I go back to the uh, the ableism conversation that we had and um, just and, and relating that to the other isms and uh you know, like you said, just uh, close proximity is, is not enough to, you know, make those things disappear. Um, so it, it's, um, it's just so important, uh, this conversation that we had that I thoroughly enjoyed. <laughs> um, I, I enjoyed uh, preparing this conversation with you and the conversations that we had uh, offline. And um, I just truly I thank you uh, for your time today for uh, recording this Uh, with me for the podcast and um uh can you just share with us uh before we wrap up can you share with us where people can uh purchase your books
1: um they are both available on amazon okay if that helps um so you should be able to get them there yes
0: yeah so again priya thank you for this uh great conversation i I really enjoyed it and i um hope you have a great
1: day thank you thank you Arthur. i really enjoyed talking to you too yes all right and you take care okay
0: we thank you for listening to this episode of the inclusion think tank podcast this podcast is brought to you by new jersey coalition for inclusive education be sure to subscribe on youtube or spotify and don't forget to follow us on social media at njcie until next time